Scripture reading tonight will be taken from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. If you're using one of the uh, Red Pew Bibles in front of you, it can be found on page 960. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 and 5. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. We're talking about love, biblical love, on Sunday nights. As part of this series, I thought I would draw our attention to the idea that love is not full of itself. Said another way, when you and I are full of ourselves, when we're thinking too much about ourselves and not enough about God and His will and others, we're incapable of genuine, true, agape love. It's been said that love and pride cannot coexist. And that's absolutely right. Because when you read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 and 5, notice at the end of verse 4, as you look at the passage that Paul read just a moment ago, the Bible says that love does not parade itself. The Bible says that love is not puffed up. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, the Bible says that love does not seek its own things. If I'm not willing to put myself aside and to think about others and to focus on what's best for them and to think about God's will and what he says is right and what he says I ought to be doing, if I'm not willing to do those things, then I am incapable of agape love. Pride destroys everything it touches. It's just the nature of pride. It's been said that pride is the only disease that makes everybody else sick except the person who has it. A Jewish rabbi said this. He said, God created the world in a certain order. And he created man last of all for this reason. So that man would not be full of himself because it's eternally true that fleas were created before people. You know, sometimes all of us need to take a step back and we need to think about whether or not we're too self-centered, whether or not we're too wrapped up in us, in ourselves, and not enough giving attention to what real love is all about. If you're looking at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, you see that phrase, love does not parade itself. You see that phrase, love is not puffed up. The Greek words underlying those concepts, they literally mean to be a braggart, to be a windbag, to be a swaggerer. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't treat people that way. And if you remember the context of 1 Corinthians 13, you remember that the church in Corinth was full of conflict. People were 
constantly at, at, at each other's throats. They were constantly picking and, and needling each other. And the reason was because everybody wanted to be best. Everybody wanted to have the best gifts and to be thought of as the best Christian. And everybody wanted to be thought of as being the most important in the church. And they were fussing and fighting among each other about which gifts were the best in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 31, Paul says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And that's what leads into this discussion in 1 Corinthians 13 of what love is all about. Just like the church in Corinth needed to hear this lesson, every church everywhere needs to hear lessons like this. What is love really like? And I say again, agape love cannot exist in an environment where pride and self-centeredness are the norm. On the other hand, pride and self-centeredness cannot exist in an atmosphere where agape love is the norm. They are mutually exclusive. And so two points in our lesson tonight. And the first one is this. I want to give you some reasons why Pride and love are incompatible. They don't go together. Impossible for them to fit together. Biblically, it just doesn't work. Some reasons why pride and love are incompatible. There are several. Number one, because pride by definition is self-absorbed. The Apostle Paul was writing to his Christian brethren in Rome in Romans chapter 12 verse 3 when he said, I exhort you, brethren, let no one think more highly of himself than he ought to think. We ought to stop and reflect on that verse sometimes. It's been said, egoists, people that are full of pride, all they want to talk about is themselves. They have me-full conversations. Conversations that just, this is what I think. This is what I believe. This is what I do. Let me tell you a story about my life. There's a place for that in our conversations, to be sure. But pride is self-absorbed. Young lady came home from a date one night, first date with a young man. And her father said, well, how did it go? And she said, well, Dad, I didn't get two words in edgewise, but I sure found out a lot about him. We need to think about in our conversations, we need to think about in the way we treat others, am I being self-absorbed? Because love demands that I stop thinking about myself and I pay attention to what's going on with others. A reason why pride and love are incompatible, number two, because pride is unwilling to listen. James says in James 1:19, my brethren, let every one of you be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God he goes on to say quick to hear slow to speak slow to wrath that's a great formula for good for healthy relationships with others I want to understand before I seek to be understood I want to listen before I seek to speak I want to make sure that the ratio of two ears to one mouth matches the way I treat people because that's what love looks like I want to listen pride is unwilling to listen Lyndon B Johnson when he was president had a sign on the wall of the Oval Office being a Texan, it had all kinds of bad grammar, but it said something to this effect. 
It said, if you ain't talking, or if you're, if you're talking, constantly talking, you ain't listening. That's the way it went. If you're constantly talking, you ain't listening. And so it is with us and with pride. If we're constantly talking, we're not able to listen. Pride doesn't listen. Number three, why are pride and love incompatible? Because pride desires praise and glory. Looking out for number one, who's the best? Who's the greatest? Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, look at verses 33 and 34. Jesus is with his apostles. They come to the place of Capernaum. We even talked about Capernaum this morning. Different occasion in Mark chapter 9. And when they come to Capernaum, Jesus, he asks an uncomfortable question. He looks at his apostles in Mark chapter 9, verse 33, and he says, what were you guys discussing out there on the road? You kind of think about how Jesus and the apostles traveled and maybe he was a little bit ahead and they were behind and they were having this heated conversation and Jesus pretends maybe that he doesn't hear what they're saying, but he knows because he can look right into people's hearts. What were you guys talking about on the road? And in Mark chapter 9, verse 34, they kept silent. For on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest? I wonder if that started out maybe it's kind of a joke, you know? Peter, you think you're going to be the greatest, don't you? Ah, oh, no, well, you, you think you're going to be the greatest. And, and then maybe it just escalated. I don't know how the conversation got going, but they were worried about who was going to be number one, who was going to have the head place, who was going to be at the right hand of Jesus in his kingdom, who's going to be the greatest. Pride looks for praise and glory. It seeks compliments, it seeks appreciation, it seeks affirmation, it seeks approval. I can't love people when I'm acting that way, and neither can you. It's impossible. Why are pride and love incompatible? Pride's unwilling to admit when wrong. That's another reason. Unwilling to admit when it's wrong. You ever known somebody that's just like a Sherman tank? They just dig in and I shall not be moved. You cannot convince me that I'm wrong. You cannot convince me that I ever was. Proverbs 30 verse 12, there is a generation that is right in its own eyes, yet is unwashed from its iniquity, from its filthiness. Think about that. A generation that is right in its own eyes and yet will not admit that there's uncleanliness there's filthiness, there's sin. Pride won't admit when it's wrong. If you have a hard time admitting when you're wrong, it's gonna be really hard for you to demonstrate love consistently to others. If we're unwilling to admit when we're wrong, guess what? We're not gonna be able to express love to God. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Part of loving God, brothers and sisters and friends, involves saying, God, I confess that what I have thought and what I have done and the way my attitude has been, it's wrong, and I'm sorry. Pride won't let us do that. Pride's unwilling to admit when wrong. Next, pride creates strife. Proverbs 13:10. By pride comes nothing but strife. What does pride do? It sows the seeds of division. It causes people to look at each other as rivals. It causes people to be competitive with one another. It sows strife, division, fighting. 
The church at Corinth was fighting. That's why Paul says, love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not seek its own. The reason why he wanted them to hear those words was because they were carnal. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 3. They were fussing and fighting with each other. They were constantly trying to be the best. They were constantly trying to undermine the good that others were doing. They were behaving like children. By pride comes nothing but strife. Maturity involves demonstrating love, working for and praying for and practically looking for opportunities to promote unity. The unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, Ephesians 4 verse 3. By pride comes nothing but strife. Can't love when that's the way we act. Next, why are pride and love incompatible? Because pride, the Bible says, leads to destruction. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Those words are true in every case where pride is found. You find someone who's full of themselves. You find someone who thinks too much of themselves. You find someone who only wants to talk about themselves, only wants to promote themselves. You find somebody with that attitude. And if we're honest, all of us are that way sometimes. The future of that person's relationships is destruction because that's what pride does. It is corrosive. It is destructive. It damages and destroys everything it touches. We need as God's people to think about the sin of pride because Bible scholars for centuries have held the opinion that pride is the foundational sin from which all others spring, the ground from which every other sin arises. That may well be true. It's damaging, it's destructive, it leads to strife and division. It is the antithesis of biblical love. And so as you read 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 and 5 and you look at those phrases, love is not puffed up, love does not parade itself. And you think, okay, I don't want to act that way. I want to act in loving ways. What can I do practically? What can I take home and put into practice in my life so that I can work and strive to show and demonstrate love, not only to people, but to God for God's sake. I want to share with you about five disciplines. A discipline, by the way, is a practical way to put into practice something that I believe and know to be true. A practical way to put into practice something I believe and know to be true. It's discipline. It's kind of like lifting weights. You know that by lifting weights that there is some good being done to your body. You know that somehow, some way, that your muscles are going to contract and the fibers are going to expand and things are going to be better as far as your biological makeup is concerned. That's a discipline. And the same thing is true of us spiritually. We need to intend to love people. Five disciplines that'll help us to steer away from pride and more into loving types of behaviors and attitudes. Discipline number one, the discipline of esteeming others better than yourself. Let me ask you the question. Is there someone in my life, in your life, that you look at as kind of a competition? 
somebody that you look at and you try to kind of measure yourself by that person. Put that away. Those who compare themselves with others are not wise. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. Strive to esteem others better than yourself. A wise older Christian shared this thought with me years ago and it's always stuck in my head. He was truly accomplished in life. He had done some things that were just amazing. But he said, John, years ago, I came to realize that every man is my master in some respect. If I'll just look for it in people's lives, everybody is better than me at something. The Bible says, let's strive to esteem others in lowliness of mind better than ourselves. College president, had all kinds of alphabet soup after his name, all kinds of academic accomplishments. He used to say to his staff, his faculty, he said, professors, you be kind to your A and B students because one day they'll probably be working at this university. And then he said, you be especially kind to your C students because one day they're gonna come back and wanna build us a $2 million science lab. Esteem others better than yourself. Next, discipline. Be quiet about yourself. That does not mean that we need to fail. It doesn't mean that you can't share with others who you are, your thoughts, your attitudes, your ideas. That's not what we're saying here. What we are saying is maybe it would be, it would be good for all of us if intentionally we would take the words of Jesus seriously. When you do good, he says in Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, don't sound a trumpet before you. Don't tell everybody all the good that you've done. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He says again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul does, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for his sake. Maybe one of the best disciplines that all of us could engage in this week is to ask more questions about what's going on with somebody else and then genuinely listen than to talk about what's going on with us and expect others to listen. It's a discipline. Be quiet about yourself. Number three, discipline. Help others shine. Rejoice with those who rejoice, Romans chapter 12, verse 15, and weep with those who weep. Help others to shine. That demands a couple of things. It demands, number one, that we notice something that's worthy and worthwhile in other people's lives. Do you ever look beyond your nose and think about what's going on around you and think about the people and the good that's being done? Do you think about the good things and the good sacrifices that people are making because of their love for the Lord, because love exists in their life? Do you think about those things? That's what this discipline requires. And then secondly, do what you can in a kind way, in a loving way to bring it to light. Maybe you say in a conversation with a friend, you know, I've noticed that so-and-so is doing this and you help them to shine. Maybe you do it in their presence. Talking about people in a way that builds them up, that brings them affirmation and appreciation. 
That'd be a wonderful thing to do. That'd be a loving thing to do, wouldn't it? Put myself away and help somebody else to shine. Discipline number four, cooperate with enthusiasm. What do you mean by that, John? Cooperate with enthusiasm. I guarantee you in your life right now, there is some work, there is some plan that has been put into place and you didn't think of it. I don't know what aspect of your life that fits, but it's a plan that's been put into place. It's a process. It's a work that's been put into place. You didn't think of it. And worse yet, you're not in control of it. I've got a few of those. Things I didn't think of, things that I'm not in control of. What does pride do? Well, I didn't think of it and I'm not in control of it. I'm not making the decisions. If I choose, if I deign to help, it'll be very little bit. If I choose, if I deign to help, it'll be with a minimum of effort. What I'm saying is biblically, and especially brothers and sisters and friends, listen to me, when it comes to the work of the Lord's people, we ought to give some serious consideration and thought to whether we are behaving in loving ways when we refuse or just deign to cooperate. We need to be careful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, Paul talks about the cooperation of the people of God, how they work together. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. And the church, when it works that way, is a wonderful entity. It's a wonderful organization. Love can be seen. But as God's people, when I didn't plan it, when I'm not controlling it, when I'm not making the decisions, can I help others shine? Can I be quiet about myself? Can I cooperate with enthusiasm because I love the Lord and I believe what's being done is a good work and I believe that God's being magnified and Jesus is being lifted up and that's really what I'm all about. That's really what I want. Can we behave that way as the people of God? It's a question worth thinking about and it's a discipline that all of us ought to consider, myself included. Number five, disciplines. Love doesn't parade itself, it's not puffed up. You wanna do better in this respect? Study Jesus. Study what he says about himself. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for I am, watch it, meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He was all about giving. He was all about serving. He was all about helping. He washed dirty feet the night before he went to the cross. John 13, verses 3 through 5. When you study Jesus and you see how he treated people, how could any of us be so full of ourselves that we say, you know what? I'm not going to do things that are demeaning to me. I'm not going to be involved in things that are not my job. I'm not going to be involved in things that I'm not interested in. And I'm certainly going to think that I'm better than others. That's not loving. It's not right. And most of all, it's not Christ-like. As God's people, 
let's put away pride so that love can be seen and demonstrated in the way we treat one another. Love's not proud. Let's put away our self-centeredness. Get your songbook and open to the song that Brother Taylor announced just a few moments ago. We're going to offer heaven's invitation at this time. If you want to obey the gospel, believe in Christ, confess his name, repent of your sin, be baptized, be immersed in water for the remission of your sins. If you're ready to make that commitment this evening, if you'd like to respond and obey the gospel, or maybe you'd like to respond and ask for prayers, heaven's invitation is yours. Come down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing.